What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's word as we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 18 this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. It's in the Old Testament following 1 Kings and 2 Kings. We'll be reading verses 1 through 16. And the word of the Lord reads, Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him and for the people who were with him and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? He answered him, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imla. But I hate him. For he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes. And they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And he answered, Go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we, Lord, come depending on you, Lord God. We surrender to you, Lord God, in the authority of your word. Father, open our hearts, Lord God, and pour into your heart your word, 
and fill us with your spirit, Father God, that we, Lord, would know, Lord God, what, they, what you would have us to know from this message, Lord, this day. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that your word, that your spirit would bring forth uh, transformation, that it would bring forth revival, Lord God, in the hearts of your people here today. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for your word. Lead us now, Lord God. Speak, Father, for your servants are listening. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I would argue that one of the greatest struggles and the greatest challenges that I believe Christians face, that we face, is learning to seek and to live according to God's will and not our own. Regardless of who you are or how long you've been saved, I think we all struggle each and every day. We struggle to go before God, to seek his will in every single situation. We're so accustomed to kind of going throughout our day and making decisions for our own benefit, but uh, we can find ourselves in situations where we, we're not seeking the Lord's will. We're not concerned with what God has to say. From the moment we wake up to the moment we lay our head down, we're faced with a number of decisions, decisions that may be as as simple but as powerful as whether I'm going to read God's word today, Uh, whether uh, I'm going to be sexually involved with someone outside of marriage, Uh, whether it's God's will if I should watch this particular TV show because I know there's material in it that I maybe shouldn't be exposed to, or it could be uh, something along the lines of, of whether I should spend my money or make this purchase when I know that money is already kind of tight and kind of funny. And so we're faced with countless decisions and numerous decisions each and every day, each and every minute of the day. We're we're faced with decisions, and the question we must ask ourselves when we're faced with these decisions, do we honestly ask ourselves? Do we honestly ask ourselves, what is God's will in this situation? How should I respond in this situation? Not based on how I feel or how others think I should react, but what does God's word say? All too often, God is an afterthought. After we've already acted. For that reason, I want to talk to you from the title today, Let God Drive. Let God drive. The message this morning is calling us to let God's will drive our actions. Let God's will drive your actions. And we see in the text this morning, we, we're, 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 we read a, a story, a situation here in Second Chronicles where there was a situation and a decision that had to be made. And we see the difference between two individuals, Jehoshaphat and Ahab. One who's seeking God's will and one who's not seeking God's will. And we have to come to, I pray that we see and understand that seeking God's will in situations helps to, uh, helps to see who it is we trust and who it is we believe. Are we truly the Lord's and is he master and Lord of our life? 
if we continue to go through our days living life under our own will and doing what we want to do, then eventually it's going to lead to destruction. Inevitably, it's going to lead to destruction. And I'm not just talking about destruction and the consequences that we face in this life, but also the consequences that we face in the life after. We're certainly not saved through our works, but at the same time, our life and how we live, and if we're consulting God in actions and decisions, certainly reveal who it is we belong to. And we see this in this particular text. There are three things that this text reveals to us that we need to do if we're going to let God's will drive our actions. Three things that we need to do if we're going to let God's will drive our actions. So that before we act, we begin to train and discipline ourselves to question, God, what is it you would have me to do in this situation? And the first thing that we see in this text, one of the, the first First things, if we're going to let God's will drive our actions, we have to check our peer pressure. You got to check your peer pressure. If you're going to let God's will drive your actions, we got to check our peer pressure. And we see peer pressure in this particular situation between Jehoshaphat and Ahab. In verse 1, it says, Now Jehoshaphat, it says that he had great riches and honor, and he, he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. And in some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen and, and for the people who were with him and induced him to go up to, uh, against him to Ramoth Gilead. So we have a situation here where Jehoshaphat and Ahab come together under a marriage alliance. It's an alliance in which Jehoshaphat's son marries Ahab's daughter. And it's, it's, a, it's an alliance that is not just them becoming family, but it's, it's also business. And it's one in which is outside of the will of God because God reveals to us in 2 Chronicles 19 of how he rebukes Jehoshaphat for entering into an alliance with one who does not love the Lord. And this alliance, we see that Jehoshaphat and Ahab come together. Jehoshaphat is the, one of the very few good kings one of the very few, when you look at the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, all the kings that they had throughout the ages, there were only about seven or eight good kings. And Jehoshaphat was one of them. Ahab, on the other hand, happened to be one of the worst kings of Israel. Many of us know Ahab through his wife Jezebel. And so we see these two coming together who have really nothing in common, but they establish a marriage alliance. And Ahab invites Jehoshaphat up to Israel. Come on up to Israel, Jehoshaphat. And we see in the passage and in the text that he induces Jehoshaphat to go up to, with him to uh, go against Ramoth Gilead. So Ahab wants to go into war, into battle, to conquer this city, Ramoth Gilead. But he knows that Jehoshaphat has great influence and he's powerful. God has shown him favor. And so he said, Ahab has the thinking that if I'm going to go into battle, I want Jehoshaphat to go with me because maybe it'll be more of a sure thing that I'm going to win this victory if Jehoshaphat goes with me. And Jehoshaphat finds himself up in, up going up to Israel and, and they're just chilling. Ahab sets a barbecue 
They're having a cookout. And we see that Ahab, it says that it, he induced him to go up to Ramos Gilead. He, he enticed. He persuaded. Uh, and we know that Ahab is pretty slick. I mean, his wife Je- Jezebel, she's slick. And so we know that Ahab learned a great deal from Jezebel on being slick and being cunning. And so he, he has this cookout, and, and we see Je- Jehoshaphat is up there with him, and, and we see the peer pressure that's starting to develop as a result of this marriage alliance that has taken place. And we know that peer pressure doesn't happen just right away sometimes. It happens over a period of time. When we enter into relationships that we should not be in, when we enter into ungodly relationships that the God has not called us to be in, eventually we can find ourselves where peer pressure leads us to act outside of God's will. Now understand, Jehoshaphat had everything that he needed. He had security, he had wealth, he had peace, he had everything because God has shown him favor because he was a man who sought God. He removed idols from the land, and so God had blessed him plentifully. He had nothing, he had no... Ahab could not provide him with anything that God had not already given him. But he found himself in this relationship. Sometimes we find ourselves in similar situations where though Jesus Christ has given us all that we need, he has given us peace, he has given us security, he has given us wealth. We may not know or feel like we're wealthy, but in Christ we are wealthy because it says that we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. We have peace because it says that if we keep our mind on him, he gives us perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him. He gives us security because his word declares to us that uh, he will never leave us nor forsake us. His word says that where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go and if I ascend up to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you are there. Now to those who know God and know and have a relationship with God, that is comforting to know that wherever I go, Lord, you're there. And so we have peace, we have wealth, and we have security that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Jehoshaphat had all of these things because of his relationship with God, but he found himself in an ungodly relationship. And then we see the peer pressure starting to develop because of the marriage alliance that they established between his son and Ahab's daughter. And this is a relationship that took place over a period of time, over years. This marriage happened years before Jehoshaphat goes up to Israel. But now we find himself, I think Ahab finally comes to that place. He's like, I'm going to pose this question to Jehoshaphat. We, we're getting close with one another. We're, we're starting to, to be tight, and, and now we're, gonna, we're having this cookout, and I'm, now I'm going to pose the question if he would go into war with me. And we see how Jehoshaphat responds. He says that, he says, In in verse 3, he says, I am as you are, my people as your people, we will be with you in war. So Jehoshaphat, under peer pressure, he says that, I am as you are, my people are as your people, we're going to go with you. No consultation of the Lord's will in this matter, at least not at this point. And so we see the peer pressure that is developing that led Jehoshaphat or that's beginning to lead Jehoshaphat and lead Ahab into going into war. And we find ourselves in similar situations where we have decisions to make and we ask ourselves, are we being pressured? We face peer pressure from, from, from a number of different areas. Peer pressure from friends, peer pressure from family, 
peer pressure from coworkers. Some of that peer pressure is direct in someone calling us to do something, just like Ahab called Jehoshaphat. And sometimes it's indirect when we see that our neighbor has a nice car and we feel the pressure to keep up with the Joneses. Or when we see that someone has a nice TV and we want that TV as well, though we cannot necessarily afford it or we're not stewarding our money well. And so we're, we're, we feel this indirect pressure or just the indirect pressure from society as a whole to get all the material possessions you can, to live life based on pleasure and material things. And so we find ourselves pressure from within and from direct pressure and indirect pressure. And we see Jehoshaphat is experiencing the same pressure. The thing that we need to also keep in mind, though, is that damage doesn't come just to us. We're not the only ones that suffer when we cave into peer pressure from other people and what they have. Those who are riding with us also suffer as well. Our families suffer. Our spouses suffer. Our daughters and our sons suffer. When we cave into the pressure, when we act on our own will and not the Lord's will, those who are rolling with us also suffer. When we feel like we need to purchase something that we can't afford, someone in our family is going to suffer. When we don't act and lead a life that before our kids and our spouses that says that, what does the Lord say? Then they grow up in that environment and they don't ask that same question. What does he say? What does she say? What is his opinion? What is her opinion? rather than what is God's word, what does God's word say? And so we see damage that comes about, and we see damage that comes about from this relationship, from this marriage alliance. You, you all have a second with me? Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 21, and we'll see the damage that came about as a result of this peer pressure and this marriage alliance that developed. Second Chronicles 21, just a couple of chapters over, Starting at verse 4, Jehoram is Jehoshaphat's son. And it says in verse 4, it says, When Jehoram had ascended the throne of his father and was established, he killed all his brothers with the sword and also some of the princesses of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. We see the damage being done as a result of this alliance that came about, this ungodly alliance and the peer pressure that came from that. Now, Jehoram came to the throne of his, his father Jehoshaphat, and because he was married to Ahab's daughter, he was wicked, just like Ahab and Jezebel. He didn't follow into the footsteps of his father. And it's interesting that it says that, and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, not in the way of his father, of the king of Judah. And so we see the damage that is done and the consequence that comes when we uh, 
cave into peer pressure when we don't let God's will drive our actions. And that's something that we need to be careful of in this day and age in which we live. It's so easy to be, to, to be led by what other people are doing and to be influenced by what is going on in the world and allow that to drive our actions rather than standing under God's word and says, what does God's word say? And so we have Jehoshaphat. He needs to check his peer pressure. There are two ways that we check our peer pressure. One is through faith. Check our peer pressure through faith by trusting in the Lord. And, and that faith leads to us letting God's will drive our actions. Because ultimately, when we don't allow God's will to drive our actions, it's, it's really a, 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 an indication that we don't trust in the Lord. We don't trust in the Lord, the Lord to take the will and to drive our life. We don't trust in the Lord to make the right decisions for our life. We don't trust in God's word in being inerrant and infallible and true. And so we take matters into our own hands. But if we're going to check peer pressure, just like a, a, tar ga a, a gauge that checks the, the pressure of a tire, you need faith to, to check your peer pressure and ask yourself, am I trusting in the Lord in this situation? Secondly, not only do we need faith to check peer pressure, but we also need fellowship. We need the fellowship of believers. We need to be in community with one another so that we can have one another's back and that we, we can watch out for one another. And as Galatians 6, 1 says, that when one falls, that we who are spiritual, it doesn't say spiritual in the sense that one is better than another. It says one who's walking in the spirit, one who is leaning on God's word. He says that they should restore them gently. So fellowship and community is necessary. Lest I fall alone and walk and are, are, are led by my own actions rather than the actions of the Lord or the will of the Lord. Not only do we cave in the pressure, though, from, from others, but if we're honest with ourselves, most of the pressure comes from within. The sinful nature. The saying goes, I can sin, I can sin all by myself. I don't need anybody else. I can, do, I can do that all by myself and do it well. And so we have this pressure, this person, this nature within us, this sinful nature that just continues to, to, to try to lead us and edge us on to do our own thing, not to listen to the Lord. Because we feel this way, this is how I'm going to act. Because it seems good, this is how I'm going to go. Because I want this, this is what I'm going to do. Because I deserve this, this is how I'm going to respond. And none of that says, what does God's word say? And so a lot of times we see that pressure coming from within, not necessarily from without. And we see uh, what, what we have to do if we're, if we're going to let God's will drive our actions, not only are we to check our peer pressure, but we need to get a will alignment as well. W-I-L-L, -L, we need to get a will alignment and align ourselves up with God's word. And we see that's what Jehoshaphat does. Jehoshaphat gets a will alignment. He, he says that I am as you are, my people as your people. But then we see in verse 4, he says, he said to the king of Israel, he says, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Now, I like that, what Jehoshaphat did. He, one, he entered into an ungodly relationship, but he's, he says that I am as you are. We, we can go, go with you, Ahab. We're going to roll with you. But he says, first. Inquire the Lord, word of the Lord. And that's not what Ahab really wanted to hear. And so we see Jehoshaphat getting a will alignment. He's like, okay, 
It seems good. Ahab, it seems like I think we'll, have, we'll be victorious. And we can take this place. I know we can do it. So it's not a matter of, of whether we, can, we, we have the might to do it. But he says, first of all, let's see what the, what the Lord's will is for this situation. So I'm not going to do it just because I can or because it seems good. But I want to see if this is what the Lord says. And so we see Jehoshaphat, he says, inquire first of the Lord, verse 5, then the king of Israel. So Ahab, he, he says, he gathers the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And they said, go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. So Ahab, he says, that, that sounds like a good idea, Jehoshaphat. I agree with you. Let's, let's go, let's go and, 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 and ask the Lord and see what he has to say. And, and what Ahab does, he says, I'm going to do one thing. I'm not going to get one prophet. I'm not going to get two prophets. I'm going to bring 400 prophets out here. I want to affirm that what the Lord says is, 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 is right. I don't know if you know, but Satan is so cunning, crafty, methodical, systematic. We, we can't beat Satan at his own game. And Satan moves and, he, and, he, and he'll even go with us along the way for a moment. He'll, he'll pretend like he's with you. When you're in a relationship that you shouldn't be, oh, they're nice, they're good. Wine and dine you, make things seem all right. But do they know the Lord? This seems nice. Man, if I could just, if I just had this, this car, this new car, or this situation, this would make everything right. But can you afford it? I can make it work. I can make it work. And so we see this situation developing, Ahab brings these 400 prophets out. That's, that's impressive. And these prophets, he says, shall we go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And they said, go up for God will give it into the hand of the king. They says, go up. You got it. 400. Ahab's like, is there anything else you need to know, Jehoshaphat? God says, take it. So we see Ahab is, he's, he appears like he's aligning himself up with God's will. Notice I said appearance. There are a lot of people who seem like they roll with you, but they're not with you. Everybody who rolls with you ain't with you. They may come to church with you. They may roll with you for a little while. They may not seem like they got a problem with you being a Christian, but everybody who's with you ain't with you. And Ahab is not with Jehoshaphat. He's in it for his own gain, and that's it. He could care less about Jehoshaphat. And so we see this unfolding, and we see this, they bring out these prophets, and, and I like, you know, I like what Jehoshaphat, how he responds, though, because Jehoshaphat knows anytime you act without asking, it leads to an accident. And he knows, Jehoshaphat knows, he says, wait a minute, he says, he knows that these prophets are not prophets of the Lord. He knows that because he says in verse 60, but Jehoshaphat says, is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? Now, don't read over this too quick because look at what Jehoshaphat says. He says, here another prophet of the Lord. He used God's covenant name, his personal name. He said, is there another prophet of Yahweh? He says, is there another prophet of the God who says in the beginning, let there be, and there was. 
He says, is there another prophet of the Lord who said that he would lead his people from Egypt into the promised land, into Canaan? He said, is there another prophet of the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He says, is there a prophet of that God? Many people throw around the word God, but you better check to make sure they serve the same God that you serve. Because everybody who says God is not on, with God. People make uh, a doorknob God. They'll make anything God. And so just because someone says God, don't make it God. And so Joseph says, wait a minute. These are not prophets of the Lord. These are not prophets. He says, these are puppets. These are puppets. They just, they're just saying what you want them to say. And that's what they are. The, these prophets... We're just saying and affirming what Ahab wanted. They were operating out of the fear of man for notoriety rather than the fear of the Lord. God's word says that why would you fear man who, or who can destroy the, the, the body? You need to fear the one who can destroy the body and the soul. So these prophets, they fear Ahab, so they're telling Ahab what he wants to hear, but Jehoshaphat ain't going for it. He says, I want to hear from a prophet who knows the Lord, who's, who's walking with the Lord. I want to hear from the prophet of Yahweh. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I love Ahab's response. Not because it sounds good, but because it's honest. This is probably the honest, most honest thing he says. Because in verse 7, we get to the meat of it. He says, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, he says, yeah, maybe 400 prophets enough, basically. But he says, he says yeah, there is, there is one. There is one, and he doesn't even call him a prophet. He says, um, he says, there is one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imla. And then he says, but I hate him. He's just being honest. He says, Jehoshaphat, I'm just telling you the truth, I hate him. And he tells us why. He says, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of us feel that way, but we won't say it. We feel that way, but we won't say it because God's word maybe hinders us or stops us from doing what we want to do. And so Ahab, Ahab's just being real. He says, I, I hate him because he, translation, he says, he doesn't let me do what I want to do. Every time I talk about doing something, he says, the Lord says that you shouldn't do that. Or every time I talk about doing this, he's saying, you know, the Lord doesn't want me to, to go this route or whatever the case may be. He says, I hate him. That's why I locked him up. So I don't even have to hear from them. That's how some of our Bibles are, on the, on the shelf or whatever the case may be. We don't want to listen to it. We'll bring it on Sunday morning, but that's about it. I don't want to hear about the word of God I, I, on Sunday morning. That, that's all I can handle. But are we consulting God's word in every situation? Is God Lord of our life over our money, over our relationships, and how we respond to one another? Are we responding based on how we feel, based on peer pressure, or are we responding based on how God says we should respond? Are we living in that way? And so Ahab is just saying that I, I hate him. And, and he, he tells him to go, go bring him out. Go bring Micaiah out. And we see Jehoshaphat just constantly aligning himself up with God's will. And that's what we need to do as well. If we're going to align ourselves up with God's will, we have to stay, stay in his word. We have to go to his word and know that his word is infallible and that it is inerrant. 
meaning that there's, no, there's nothing false in it. There's, there's no falsehood. It's all true. It's right. It's good. It's not out of date. Like I said before, it, 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 it's, it's, old. It's, it's, it's old like a Cadillac, but it's still in style. It's still in style. It still is relevant. It still is practical today. And so Jehoshaphat is lining up with his will, but Ahab is not. And we need to ask ourselves, where am I at in this picture? Do I go to God's word? Do I seek to know what God's will is? Am I aligning myself up with God's will? Or am I looking to go to God's word to justify what is it I want to do? Even if it means taking it out of context. And I'm proof texting God's word by plucking out what I want it to say. We got many puppets today in the world. Just because they dress like a prophet, just because they dress like a messenger of the Lord, and because they act like a messenger of the Lord, don't make them a messenger of the Lord. You know when someone is speaking for the word of the Lord when they say, this is what God's word says. This is not my opinion. I'm not trying to do gymnastics around what God says. I'm just telling you what God's word says. I may not even like it that much when it's what he says, but I got to go with it. I got to flow with it because this is what God says. It hurts. Even when we have the best intentions, we see Jesus Christ. He let set the example for us. When he was with Peter and the disciples, shortly before he would give his life on the cross, and he tells them that he's going to be killed, and, and Peter means well. He, he, he just responded like we would all respond. He says, no, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let anybody jump our rabbi. That ain't going to happen. And so Peter's ready to go to war. He's ready to go to battle. He means well. But he did not know that it was not the Lord's will for him to do that. And so Jesus Christ said, he rebukes him. He says, he says get behind me, Satan. Because what Peter had in mind was for man's will and not the Lord's will. So just because it seems or appears right, doesn't necessarily make it God's will if it's not aligned up with God's word. And so we need to uh, 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 become acquainted with God's word in every situation. Our language is my, is my response in my conversations. Is it full of grace seasoned with salt so that I know how to answer everyone? Am I looking to love my enemies as God has called me to? And so we see him lining up, but we, we have this situation here further down. They go to get Micaiah, and while they're going to get Micaiah in verse 9, it says the kings of Israel and Jehoshaphat, they were sitting on their thrones arrayed in their robes. So they're sitting on their thrones in their robes. They're kings. And they're sitting on their robes. They're, they're, they're sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance gate of Samaria, and the prophets are prophesying before them. So they got these 400 prophets. They're just prophesying, telling them all what they want to hear. And then in verse 10, it says, there's even another one. It says, Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, made for himself horns of iron. So he's, he's going to demonstrate. He says, I'm making horns. He says, with these, you're going to, the Lord says, you're going to push the Syrians back. He goes into demonstration. This is how it's going to be. And he even had the, the gall to mention, he says, the Lord said, you're going to push him back. But then we see Micaiah come on the scene. Micaiah's locked up, and in verse 12, 
We see in the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. So what's he saying? He says, basically, all the prophets are saying the same thing. You need to go along with the flow. Don't disrupt. And he says, let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. That shows that, again, they're not lining up with God's will. Whatever they're saying, you say. Are you a puppet of popular culture where you say what everybody else says or what everyone else feels, you go along with the flow? Others start to agree with uh, uh, hot topics and situations of the day. Are we going along with it and saying that's just the time, that's just the culture? Or are we saying, okay, what does God's word say, which is timeless? Micaiah helps us to see the third thing that we need to do if we want to let God's will drive our actions. Not only we're to check our peer pressure and uh, get a will alignment, but we also need to take the road less traveled. We need to take the road, take the road less traveled. If we're going to follow the Lord's will and if we're going to let God's will drive our actions, it's going to lead us to take the road less traveled. You won't find everybody on that road. Most people won't be on that road. And we see Micaiah in verse 13. Micaiah says, as the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. He says, I know what you said, but whatever God says, that's what I'm going to speak. Regardless of the consequences. Micaiah had been in prison for who knows how long. And he could be thrown back in. He could have just, he could have just have easily said, okay, I'm going to go with it. I'm getting tired of jail. I'm just going to, I've done my time. The Lord understands. The Lord will forgive me. I'm good. The Lord knows my heart. No, he doesn't say that. Whatever the Lord says, that, that which I, might, I must speak. And he says, as the Lord lives, what my God says that I will speak in verse 14. And when he came to the king, the king said to him, he says, Micaiah, Ahab says, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I refrain? And he answered, go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. He came with an answer that he wasn't expecting, but it was from the Lord. He, he, Ahab th- was expecting for something different and Ahab was expecting something different because he knew Micaiah. He knew he, he had a track record. He knew that he wasn't just to just to tell him what he wanted to hear. And so he goes on and he says that. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me? Nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. And in verse 16, Micaiah says, I saw all Israel scattered in the, on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. So Micaiah is basically saying, he says, when he says that I saw all of Israel, on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd, he says that the shepherd, you Ahab, you're going to be killed. You won't make it through this war. And all the sheep are going to be like sheep on a mountain. They're going to be scattered. They won't have a shepherd. So he's telling them the truth. And that's what Ahab doesn't like. But I like what Micaiah, Micaiah traveled down that narrow road. And that narrow road, if we're going to take the road less traveled, it's a narrow road. Not everyone finds it, it says. It's a hard way. It's not an easy way. The easy way is to go along with everyone else. The easy way is to not want to face ridicule or whatever the case may be as a result of standing with God's word or facing the consequences when others don't agree with what what you're declaring in the name of the Lord. And Micaiah here, we see him. He's just giving 
God's word to the people. In spite of what everyone else is saying, he's taken the road less traveled. Now, let us not be confused. The road less traveled is not a, a list of do's and don'ts. The road less traveled is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he leads us down that narrow road. And the road that many people don't, don't find because they want to drive themselves, they want to drive their own actions. He says that if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, they have to deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You must deny yourself. And we see, Jesus Christ, he, he gives us the, the perfect example of what it looks like to take this road less traveled. Because Jesus Christ himself found himself challenged with being obedient to the Father's will. He had went through ministry for three years, lived a perfect life, a life without sin, a life without error, pouring into the disciples each day, healing people, performing miracles, demonstrating that he is the, the, the Son of God. And then he finds himself in the Mount of Olives, in the Garden of Gethsemane, on one evening, one late night, he finds himself there and, and the disciples are with him. And the agony and the strain of what was to come was evident in the passage as we see Jesus Christ asking the Father, if it be thy will, remove this cup this cup of wrath, because he knew it wasn't just the pain of the nail the, from the nails that go in his hand. It wasn't just the crown of thorns that was to go on his head. It wasn't the 39 lashes that, would be, that he would experience, but it would be the, the weight of the sin of the world and the perfect wrath of God poured out on him. And for a moment, him, the God the Father forsaken him and turning away from him because of the sin that he would incur. That was the pain. That was the agony that Jesus Christ was to experience. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. That means he felt the weight of that stress and that agony. And so let us not take it lightly. And Jesus helps us to see how agonizing it was. It says that he agonized to the point to where an angel came and ministered to him. But we find Jesus Christ saying, not my will but thy will be done. I trust in you, Father. I know this is your will. It's going to be painful. But I believe in glory that awaits me from being faithful to you. I believe that what, what you have set in place in your plan will come to, to, to fruition. I believe in what you have set me out on to do. And so I'm going to follow through with what you have, have called me to do. Give me strength to not waver to the left or to the right, but strengthen me according to thy power, that I may remain firm and faithful to you to the end, even to end on the death on the cross. He lived a life that we could not live, and he died the death that we deserve, all because he wanted to be faithful to the Father, all because he followed the Lord's will and not his own. All throughout scripture, we see the same thing. Jesus Christ saying, what the Father wants, that is what I do, that is what I speak. 
He entrusted himself completely to the Father. The question is, are you? Are you allowing God to drive your actions? Or are you just living, making decisions on your own, not consulting God's word until it, or unless it's convenient? That's not, that's not the way in which God has called us to live, regardless of how small the decision or how great. God says that we should consult his word. Let him drive, because if he drives, we can't crash. If he's driving, there can't be an accident. If he's driving, you will come out on the end, regardless of what it appears like now. Since the suffering can't, it can't compare to the glory that awaits those who are in him. Do we believe that? We, we reveal whether we believe it or not in how we, how we live our lives, whether we're going to let God's will drive our actions or whether we're going to allow our will to drive. There may be someone here today that is living outside the will of God because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have an opportunity to make the, take the first step in following, the God, in following God's will, and that is to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All of us mess up. We all are going to mess up each and every day. We're, going to, we're that Jehoshaphat. But there was a distinct difference between the life of Jehoshaphat and the life of Ahab. Jehoshaphat did not make a life or a living out of living for his own will. He lived his life in light of God's word. And he made a mistake. But we see following on this that they went into war. And God's word actually did come true. Ahab died in battle, even though he tried to disguise himself. Jehoshaphat called out to the Lord. He repented, and God saved him. And God is offering that same grace to everyone here who doesn't know him, and even those who may have faltered in going their own way. That same grace to turn back, to make a U-turn, to, to slide out of the way and let God's will drive your actions. If you don't know the Lord, I, I encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Allow him to drive your life. For that is the only way you will, your life will end in a way that is glorious, and in a way that you can spend eternal life with him through faith in Jesus Christ. When we're driving, we're telling God, I don't need you. I can drive myself, and I don't need no help. And eventually that leads to destruction. It leads to eternal hell out apart from God's will. I pray that you won't let this pass you by, that you won't let another moment go by before you turn around and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Every other road leads to a dead end. Every other road leads to a dead end. But if you want to be on that highway that leads to glory, you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust in him to guide your life. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we give you all the glory and the honor.